you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8.30 or 11 o'clock a.m., at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. We get our text that we read each week from the Revised Common Lectionary. It's mapped out uh, for year after year and tells us what texts we should read and what we should preach on. And I find it a great burden lifter. I don't have to come up with uh, a series that is uh, compelling and captivating on my own. I don't have to decide which favorite text to pick each week after week. It's just there. Um, But a lot of people uh, shy away from preaching the lectionary because it can give you a week like this week where where the texts just aren't that fun. We've got a bunch of pastors starting their first Sunday across the conference this week, and they get to choose between the story uh, of a woman who's been bankrupted because of a broken medical system. They get to pick from the story of the Corinthian church being stingy and not being willing to help out the starving church in Jerusalem, or they get the story of David lamenting death all around. How's that for a first Sunday at your church? I get why people pick some like happy-go-lucky Jesus story, but we here at Andover have these texts, so we're going to, we're going to kind of preach what God brought us this morning. And so uh, I've been captivated by this king story that the lectionary has been bringing us through, through the move from judges to kings, from uh, seeing God as the leader of Israel to this human as the leader of Israel. And, and then this week, uh, we, we jump into this part that's all about death. I love talking about death. I got a grant to study and talk about death because we don't do it well. Brad said, you know, uh, most times you think of the church, you think of a place you have to go and be happy. You have to be joy-filled and ready to ascribe praise to God. People lose a beloved one and then feel like they can't even show up to church because they might cry and weep and, and, and might not be able to hold it together. Part of our study has been seeking to, to reframe the idea of death for the church. The idea of lament and grief as being something that is as wholly part of our existence as joy and life are. If the church is only the church for you in a time of good things, then it's not the church I think God intended and and sent his spirit to fill. This this text today invites us into the question of of who should we lament for and how should we lament? How how should our grief um, kind of manifest itself? It's a a particularly interesting text to me because of, of who David is lamenting. This, this text invites us to, to hear his song that is going to be codified for all of Israel uh, as grief for Saul and for Jonathan. The lectionary has done us a little bit of disservice because last week we have David and Goliath and this week all of a sudden we've jumped like 20 years forward in time. We skip these passages where, uh, where David and Jonathan become uh, the most deepest spiritual friends there are, these these ones who are closer than any couple who, who know each other's heart and are, and are committed to each other. 
And at the same time, we missed all these stories of Saul trying to kill David time and time again and, and chasing him out, sending him out into battle to collect 100 Philistine foreskins as if that wouldn't cause problems. We've missed stories of David hiding in caves and thinking that he should kill Saul, but knowing that he shouldn't. We've missed the stories of David literally having to go become a mercenary for hire because he's no longer welcome in Israel. We jump from a little handsome David killing Goliath to rugged battle-worn, hired David, lamenting for Jonathan, who was beloved to him, and Saul, who was terrible. And all week I've been trying to think about what does this say about how we should respond to death? And it's got me thinking uh, about how I've responded to death throughout the years. I want you to do a little holy imagination, some, some deep thinking uh, about Uh, about your feelings. Imagine uh, the most significant death in your life that you've experienced so far. Uh, For some of us, it might be a grandparent. For others, it might be a parent, a child, a uh, a stillbirth, a um, tragic accident, or a long sickness. Someone who who literally, our hearts are entwined with them and, and, and we love deeply. And think about how shattering that is. Think about the ways our hearts are never the same after that death. Even when we have the hope of the gospel, we're different. And now I want you to think about how you felt when you heard the news that Osama bin Laden had been killed. What thoughts went through your head? What feelings did you feel? What emotions rose up? When you study church history and you look, uh, not church history, world history, uh, and and look at the time of the Nazis and look at uh, all those Jews who were killed and think about their reality and their experience. And then the other side, think about Hitler dying in that bunker. What comes to mind What do you think? What do you feel? Think about uh, someone who is uh, repulsive, like uh, Jeffrey Epstein, and all the, the wicked things he had done dying in that jail cell. And think about some of the beloved saints of Andover who we've lost. I imagine every one of those is a different experience of death for you, yes? And yet, in some ways, they shape us all. At every moment, we, we have to examine our interior life and see what is our reaction to death. And I, I think David offers us a lens today to begin to examine our lives. We, I, I don't want to sanctify David's whole experience because David is going to mess up a ton and do a lot of things that are not after God's own heart. And David is going to wield the power of death in ways that are tragic and, um, and horrible. David is uh, battle-tested and where Saul had killed his thousands, David had killed his tens of thousands. And so I don't want to, to act like even the books of Kings are monolithic in their view of death and yet Uh, This seems to be one of those moments where David has God's heart. For he grieves deeply over this 
beloved friend, a spiritual friend who is closer than any family member who, who knows his heart, who literally has made covenant with him and grieves equally for this man who had been trying to kill him. If you're like me, the grief that comes when you hear about Osama bin Laden or Hitler is different than the grief that comes uh, when you learn that your mother has died or your spouse has died. And yet, somehow in the text, we seem to be hearing God's heart that any death is tragic. Death is the consequence of the fall. It's not uh, permanent alienation from God. It's, it's uh, banishment from the tree of life. It is the great griever of God the Father that uh, humanity now no longer dwells completely in his presence Uh, free to eat from the tree of life. Instead, we're cast out where death keeps having the last word. Death keeps showing up. And David shows us what it might mean to grieve the evil alongside the virtuous, to grieve uh, the effects of death on the wicked At the same time, we grieve those who we hold most dear. I was in seminary when bin Laden was killed, and it was was a weird time to be in the dorms and around uh, these peers because about half the seminary was rejoicing. He's dead, finally. And the other half is going, "Hmm, it's really good that he's not going to harm anybody else. And yet, how how do we celebrate his death? How do we give space for grieving that wicked person that might be even closer to us? That biological parent that was abusive or absent? That friend who caused you great harm? That person who... um, who has always been a thorn in your side. How, how do we process that loss? How do we experience the fullness of our emotions? The text seems to say we lean into that grief while we acknowledge that in some ways things might even be better. We allow ourselves to say that death, death is not the good end in any scenario. I know so many of you have these, uh, these relationships that are hard and painful and toxic. Our family has plenty where we've, uh, where we've got to like punch your own ticket to therapy to talk about these family members who have caused great harm in our lives. And yet so often we push that pain aside when they are sick or dying and, and we're to put on this happy face that no longer is this evil happening. And yet, the text seems to point us to God's heart that grieves at any death. Can you imagine grieving at the death of an evil person? Of lamenting at someone who has treated you unkindly? Of of allowing uh, God's heart to be your heart? I've got to admit, I'm only halfway there. I am uh, idealistic where I want to say that we can just... uh, can say it's, it's wrong at every point. And, and one day we'll all sit down and we'll talk about just for theory and, 
and the idea of violence in general and this uh, reality of death. But I want to be a person who grieves at any death. Because that's our, our work of sanctification, of having the heart of God, of loving others and loving God, of, of seeing our neighbor as much more than just the one who is kind and lovely and acts just like us. It's, it's everyone out there. And so if God's heart is holy love and he invites us into this process of sanctification and this, this journey that is to follow and embody the very image of God in the world to be imitators of Christ, that means that we, uh, we should not celebrate any death. We should grieve and lament and then invite our community into it. Uh, we as the church have, uh, have often made uh, death and grief and lamentation uh, a personal thing. We stay out of uh, the church for a couple weeks. We stay at home and don't go out. We uh, eat the potlucks that people have brought us and we uh, are supposed to get straight at home before we come back to church. Our friends in the Jewish tradition Instead, say, uh, let's join together in our grief and lamentation. Uh, let's invite one another into a community that will, uh, will sit Shiva and then will go pray the mourner's Kadesh for a whole year. Whereas we say, let's not go to church. The, the most devout Jews will go to the temple every day for a year with five of their friends to pray this mourner's prayer. What could it look like for us as individuals and for us as a church to recapture a deep sense of grief and lamentation at every death? Because Lord knows we have felt it in the last few months as a church for those people we love. But what might it be to also feel it for those that we struggle to love? Those that some days we would even say we hate? Those we fear? and those that cause harm? How might uh, grieving those lives empower us to grieve better for those we do love? How might it help us grow in sanctification? How might it help us be the church that God has called us to be? I don't think, um, I don't think we've arrived yet. I think we have great room to grow in our ability to grieve. And uh, Evil people in the world are not going away. The stories get more frequent every day. You see uh, headline after headline of wicked person doing wicked thing. You see story after story of wicked person dying. And we each know the pain of the loved ones dying. What might it look like if we each uh, sought God's heart and allowed ourselves to grieve and, and to bear witness to God's love? Until that time when Christ comes in, there is no more pain or sorrow, where there is no more lamentation, where there is no more death, where we all dwell in the presence of God and once more eat from the tree of life as we sit in the holy city and the streams of living water flow through. How might we bear witness to God's heart until that day? I believe God's grace is sufficient to allow us to do that. And we as a community are strong enough to allow each other to grieve. To say you don't have to have gotten happy before you come back. You don't have to have it all together. And instead we want to, to weep and to wail and to mourn with you. It's my dream for this community and I hope it's your dream too. Would you pray with me? Oh, death, 
where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? The Gospels have told us that, that through you, Christ, death no longer reigns, and yet we don't have to look far at all to know that it is everywhere. From sinner to saint, death still is our reality until that time when things are made right. Would you soften our hearts to death across the board? Would you sanctify us through and through that we might love as you love? Would you teach us to surround one another with a community of love and forgiveness that bears one another up in our times of sorrow? Would your grace be poured out in lavish ways to move us in sanctification, to make us perfect in holy love, and to bear witness to you in the world? We love you and praise you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.